We're going to look at two scripture passages this morning, uh, fitting on Palm Sunday, that we look at the Palm Sunday story first. That will not be the, the main point of the sermon this morning, but it is a, certainly a background for it. And then we'll also uh, be reading uh, Jesus' sixth word from the cross. So I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Matthew 21 to start. Matthew 21, we'll read the first 11 verses. This is, the, this is Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. One of the reasons I want to include this is because we hear these cries that come, Hosanna, which means save us. And um, later in the week, it's often said these cries changed to uh, a response of that question, God save us, and thinking Jesus is the Messiah, that the cry uh, changed to crucify him. And it did for some. For some who didn't believe he was the Messiah, for some who didn't believe he was the Lord, that was the answer. Get rid of this false Messiah, they would say. But I want to suggest to you that the crowd on Palm Sunday is totally different from the crowd that was, was crying crucify him. If you read closely the Gospels, you'll see that that was a crowd that was all connected with the temple, the temple leadership, and perhaps some of the Levites that they had recruited. But I want to show you another cry that answers that call, Hosanna, God save us. Hosanna, save us. And that cry is the one that we hear from Jesus on the cross. So let's start in Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See daughter, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then if you turn with me to John 19. John 19, we'll start our reading in verse 17. As we continue our look at the words from the cross, we're at the, the sixth word this morning. And, and uh, some have, have sort of, maybe a little bit artificially, looked at these words and said, you know, the first three words were Jesus pray all about, all about others, words for others. Uh, Father, forgive them. Um, his word for the thief on the cross, his word for his mother Mary. The middle word, the central word, was, was focused on his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the last three words are more focused on himself. I thirst, uh, dealing with his physical nature. Um, and then the next two, some say it's body, soul, and spirit. I have a little bit difficulty with the middle one, soul, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But certainly the last one, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus is dealing with his body, with his spirit. In the middle, he's dealing with 
I guess you could call the heart of his work, the heart of his work, his role as Messiah, his role as, as mediator, and that's the one we're going to look at this morning. So John 19, we're going to pick it up at verse 17 where Caesar is handed, or excuse me, Pilate is handed over the, um, Jesus to the soldiers who took charge of Jesus. Verse 17, carrying his own cross, he went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Next week, we'll, or this Friday, we'll look at that last part, giving up his spirit and the cry that came with that. Just one note. You may have noticed that in verse 28, it says, Knowing that everything had been finished, and then Jesus responds, It is finished. It's the same word in both places. Jesus understanding something has been finished makes that proclamation so that we all note that. So what did that mean? That's what we're going to focus on this, this morning. But let's open with prayer before we do. Holy Spirit, as you inspired these words, as John records them, and as Matthew records this Palm Sunday story, we pray that you would now inspire them to us to help us understand and to help us to know how to live out and join Jesus in his, in his suffering, but also in his triumph. We pray this in his name. Amen. So today is Palm Sunday, when we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, when the crowd cried triumphantly, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. But little did the people know what really awaited Jesus. Their cries of Hosanna, which means, God save us, would dissolve into a very different cry of triumph from the cross. Very different from what the crowd anticipated, and yet an answer to their Hosannas once for all. It is finished. God save us! It's done. It's finished. 
Frederick Buechner writes, according to John, the last words Jesus spoke from the cross were, it is finished. Whether he meant finished as brought to an end in the sense of finality, or finished as brought to completion in the sense of fulfillment, nobody knows. Maybe he meant both. So what does it mean to be finished? Well, to follow Buechner's suggestion, once, on the one hand, it can mean to be done, ready to quit, stop. Like a marathon runner, exhausted, dehydrated, with, with cramping legs who simply cannot continue, might say, I'm finished. Or after a painful operation, maybe with a sense of relief, one can say, it's finished. But more than that, to be finished could mean to be completed, having accomplished a task. And in that sense, being finished is rewarding. The reward of finally turning in that long essay for school or, or a project for work or finishing a, a hobby or repair project at home and look back and say, it's completed, it's finished. One of the last words from the cross was, it is finished. But in Greek, it's only one word. Tetelestai. Tetelestai, it is finished. And I would consider this the greatest word ever uttered on our planet because it represents the greatest feat of history ever accomplished, our salvation. But what does that word mean for Christ to say it and for us to hear it? What did it mean for Jesus to say it? Well, obviously it meant his life was brought to an end. Frederick Buechner, kind of putting Easter and the resurrection aside for a moment and simply entering into Jesus' human suffering, writes... What was brought to an end was, of course, nothing less than his life. The Gospels make no bones about that. He died as dead as any man. All his days of his life led him to this day, and beyond this day there would be no other days, and he knew it. It was finished now, he said. He was finished. He had come to the last of all his moments, and because he was conscious still, alive to his death, maybe as they say the dying do, he caught one final glimpse of the life he had all but finished living. Who knows what he glimpsed as that life passed before him? Maybe here or there, a fragment preserved for no good reason, like old snapshots in a desk drawer, the play of sunlight on a wall, a half-remembered face, something somebody said, a growing sense perhaps of destiny, the holy man in the river, a gift for prayer, a gift for moving simple hearts. One hopes he remembered the good times, although the Gospels record few, how he once fell asleep in a boat as a with a storm coming up, and how he went to a wedding where water was the least of what was turned into wine. Then the failures of the last days, when only a handful gathered to watch him enter the city on the foal of a donkey, and those very likely for the wrong reasons. The terror that he himself had known for a few moments in the garden, and that finally drove even the handful away. Shalom then the God in him moving his swollen lips to forgive them all, finished. Again, that's his, his take on this without regarding Easter and the resurrection, which, of course, we have to add in. But in one sense, then, it was the end. His, his life of suffering was over. Jesus Christ 
entered flesh. He, he lived in our sinful world, a world of crime, of pain, of death. All his life, the forces of hell raged against him, attempting to crush him. He was rejected by his own people. In Gethsemane, we see him literally sweating blood in wrestling with the reality of his death. And he was crucified, a death cursed by God and reserved for traitors and thieves, rapists and murderers. And now he's at his, the end of his struggle. Like a marathon runner ready to drop with nothing left to give, Jesus says, finished. His suffering is over. As he hangs there, nails ripping into his flesh, the weight of hanging, pulling limbs from their sockets, tendons and ligaments tearing and shattering, the crown of thorns piercing his head, blood and sweat streaming down his naked body, the crowd spitting, Satan mocking as he tastes victory, his own father turning his back. Jesus could finally say, it is finished. But finished meant more than simply that his life was over, that his suffering was done, that Satan had somehow won. No, it involved Jesus' task. It involved Jesus' task, his, his role. What was that role? Well, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, after the fall of, of humanity, um, in the curse on the serpent, God said, a seed of the woman, a son of the woman, is going to crush Satan's head. And all Satan's going to be able to do is bruise his heel. So from the beginning, that was Jesus' role, to crush Satan's head. At age 12, we see him in the temple, left behind by Mary and Joseph. They arrive to find him talking with the teachers there. And he makes it very clear that this is where he needed to be because he had to be about his father's business and not the carpentry trade of Joseph. He knew there was some business that he had before him. In John 4, verse 34, he, he explained his business. He said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Again, a word coming from that same, that word that he spoke from the cross, from the word teleos. And then before he went to the cross that night when he shared uh, bread, the bread and cup with his disciples in the upper room, he then prayed, and in his prayer to the Father, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And again, it's the same word, tetelestai, finished, completing the work you gave me to do. So that was always part of Jesus' role. His, his task, his role was to glorify God by dying for our sins, reconciling us to the Father. And now that task is completed. And so while he hung on the cross a broken man, he also hung there a victorious Lord, for he had completed his life's work. He had brought salvation to the world. Little did the Palm Sunday crowd know that their Hosanna cry, God, save us, would be answered in this fashion. But never again would anyone need to cry, Hosanna, save us, for that salvation was now Finished. Completed. Imagine George Friedrich Handel penning the last words and notes of the Messiah. Or Leonardo da Vinci laying down his brush after having completed the Mona Lisa or the Last Supper. 
or Dr. Christian Barnard finishing the last suture on the world's first heart transplant patient, with what joy and triumph could they say, it's finished! Yet these great accomplishments pale in comparison to the finished work on the cross where Jesus defeated sin, Satan, and death and now could shout with a voice of triumph, it is finished. By the way, I think that's why he said, I'm thirsty, so he could get something to clear his throat so he could say these last two words with strength and with triumph. Well, what does this mean for us today? Well, in a sense, it's about the end. The cross is the end for us. It's the end of sin's powerful hold on us, the end of Satan's mastery over our lives, the end of the wages of sin, eternal death and separation from the Father. John Calvin once noted, it was chiefly for the purpose of giving peace and tranquility to our consciences that Jesus pronounced the word, it is finished. It's for our peace, Calvin says. In the cross, our salvation was completely finished for us. It was accomplished for us. Those Palm Sunday cries of Hosanna, God save us, are completed in the cry of Jesus, it's finished, I've done it. And so at the foot of the cross, we find the end of all our searching, our searching for salvation, our searching for a way to live forever, our searching for meaning in life, But while the work was finished, the benefits are just beginning. Through the finished work of the cross, we are justified before a just judge. Through the finished work of the cross, we are reconciled with a loving Father. Through the finished work of the cross, we are promised eternal life with a glorious Savior. Frederick Buechner once wrote about the cross. God so loved the world, John writes, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only son even to this obscene horror. So loved the world that in some ultimately indescribable way and at some ultimately immeasurable cost, he gave the world himself. Out of this terrible death, John says, came eternal life, Not just in the sense of resurrection to life after death, but also in the sense of life so precious, even on this side of death, that to live it is to stand with one foot already in eternity. To participate in the sacrificial life and death of Jesus Christ is to live already in his kingdom. This is the essence of the Christian message, the heart of the good news, and it's why the cross has become the chief Christian symbol. A cross of all things, a a guillotine, a gallows. But the cross at the same time as the crossroads of eternity and time. As the place where such a mighty heart was broken that the healing power of God himself could flow through it into a sick and broken world. It was for this reason that of all the possible words they could have used to describe the day of his death, the word they settled on was good. Good Friday. When we look at the cross on Good Friday and hear the last words of Christ, we no longer have to cry, Hosanna, God save us. But we can say with the same triumphant tones, 
It is finished. Death is finished. Satan's hold on us is finished. My search for meaning in life is finished. But through the finished work of the cross, my eternal relationship with God has just begun. So the appropriate cry for the Passion Week of Jesus is not, Hosanna, God save us, but tetelestai, it is finished. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross on our behalf. We can't imagine what it was like, the horror of it all. We can only sit on the other side and understand the wonder of it all. And so we sing our songs, even our hosannas and our blessings as a way of thanking you for what you have done for us, for completing that cry, uh, God save us. We pray now that as we seek to live that out, that we might not just keep it to ourselves and keep it within the walls of this place, but to be able to share uh, the reason for the hope and joy that we have that is in us with others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond by singing together, All glory, laud, and honor. All glory, laud, and honor. It's number 300 in the celebration hymnal. Uh, The words in music will also be on your screens. And we're going to sing the three stanzas. All glory, laud, and honor. Let's stand as we sing.